Iguodala, and here it comes. He got it! The Warriors have won on a game-winning shot by Andre Iguodala! Live in the entertainment capital of the world. A Smith screen, Posey will defend. Oh! LeBron James with no record for human life! It's the T.C. Martin Show. Time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. And Saul says, hey, pass a big ticket. T.C. Martin. Oh, here comes the Birdman. Flapping his wings and soaring for a sweet flush. When you're aerodynamically designed with that hairdo, you can do those kinds of things. With that sweet mohawk. The doctor is now in. Unos, dos, tres. Ole. Ole. Uh, yes, it is a wild, wacky Wednesday. Uh, evident by the first hour, so we appreciate uh, Trevor Match uh, joining us, going through the movies. How can you not be a football player and not watch football sports movies? That's crazy. It's beyond me, you know. You're a sports guy. You're, you got to watch all movies, all sports movies. All right, hour number two coming to work. Scott Savloff is going to join us at the bottom of the hour. He is our PGA Tour guru. Scott, a uh, fine producer, uh, Emmy Award-winning producer for many of the PGA uh, Tour events that you see on television. All right, and uh, we start hour number two with our good friend, the head coach of the UNLV Runner Rebels, who got the victory last night, defeated Wyoming. Four Rebels in double figures last night, led by E.J. Harkless with 28 points, and the Rebels get the victory over those cowpokes from Wyoming, 86-72, the final score. And join us now, Kevin Kruger. What's up, Kev? Not too much. How you guys doing? We're good. You know, um, we just you probably just heard me mention about uh, you know you know Trevor Manich, twelve years in the NFL, does a great job with ESPN, and we got on the subject of, of sports movies. And this is a guy that uh, doesn't watch football sports movies. Now, for you, Kevin, that'd be like you not ever watching Hoosiers or something like that, right? So, so where do you stand on on, on basketball sports movies? Um, well, actually, you know what? I've actually never seen Hoosiers from start to finish. <laughs> this is amazing. Uh, Can you believe this? We're running into I, It's rampant today. Yeah, I've seen it. Like, I have seen the movie, but I've never, I never even as a kid sat down and watched uh, Hoosiers from start to finish. Now, why is that? There has to be a reason there. Um, I don't really know. I don't really know. <laughs> I mean, my parent, my parents aren't big. They weren't big movie people growing up. Right. So maybe... Maybe it's something there. Okay. All right. What about uh, you know as you as you got to get older? What uh, other basketball movies, sports movies you liked, or do you just just not a big movie guy? Um, no, I, I loved movies going through. I mean, through high school, college, even uh, you know, professionally afterwards for a few years. But yeah, there there might just be something too. I think I've seen most sports movies, but uh, the ones that I liked more than others usually actually weren't basketball movies. Okay. Like what? Give me, give me, give me one. Give, Kevin Kruger's uh, top three sports movies. Oh, top three? Ooh, I don't know, but uh, you know, like Rudy would yeah. be on there. There and, you go. Um, uh, you know, the rookie with Dennis Quaid. I think that's. I mean, that'll yeah, tug at your heartstrings forever. And you know, little, you know, movies like that. Uh, you know, that just are, are fun to watch and have a kind of a nice uh, kind of memory. And remember, the Titans is a great movie. So. Right. Right, but uh, yeah, I probably don't know if I'd even put a basketball movie in my top three. All right, all right. Here's one for you. Before your time, you probably even know what what this is, and it's it's your dad might might know, but if he didn't watch movies, Fast Break with Gabe Kaplan. Did you ever hear that one? That was I think like back in the seventies or the eighties. Classic. No, I've never heard of that one. Yeah, Mavis Washington. I don't know if you know uh, she was she was a a great ladies uh, uh, professional basketball player. You know, back in the day. Uh, yeah, they dressed her up as a guy, as Swish, and Gabe Kaplan. You know, welcome back, Cotter was the coach. It's some like JC, and, and I think it was in Texas or something like that. And he went and recruited these guys. Heck, I mean, it was like uh, it was like what Tark used to, you know, recruit. Uh, you know, he got these guys from everywhere, and all of a sudden they started blowing everybody away. It was a, it was a a classic, a semi comedy, um, you know, goofy way back in the day. And then of course you had Nick Nolte and Blue Chips, and you had. You know, all those other, you know, ty- type of movies were kind of cool. But, uh, yeah, there's one. 
I gotta ask you next time I see your dad, I'm gonna say, "Did you ever see Fast Break with Gabe Kaplan?" He'll probably look, right, he'll, yeah. probably, he'll probably look at me like I have three heads, right? He might. He might. <laughs> but you know, he's old enough where he might, you know, he might remember that. I have no idea. But uh, hey, man, uh, congratulations on the victory last night. Uh, I know that it had to feel good. Um, you know, considering that you guys have been a little bit of a rough stretch, uh, you know, lately here. Uh, in your opinion, what was the difference uh, in last night's game? What did you see out of the guys? Um, just saw a lot more of that uh, kind of what we have had shown our DNA to be, uh, you know, win in games that we've won. Um, there was a little bit more of that. You know, Eli Parquet comes back into the lineup. Unfortunately, Lou Rodriguez was out last night, but still just a little bit more of our uh, uh, kind of a little bit more of our security about what what made us, uh, you know, feel like we had a chance to win every game early on and what, what you know, what kind of made us feel secure and confident um, in those games that we ended up winning. And a lot of it just had to do with, you know, just, just being confident on the defensive end and, and understanding and, and being secure that we were going to make Wyoming uh, work for it. EJ Harkless, phenomenal again, 28 points. This guy, we've talked about him before. I mean, when you need a bucket, it seems like, you know, he's the guy. What has made him so special? And he has he even exceeded expectations of what you, you thought you were going to be getting? Yeah, he's had some really good games, and uh, yeah, especially uh, especially early on. You know, we uh, we leaned on him pretty heavily, and and still do. And and uh, and, and yeah, I mean, it, the Dayton game, the you know, you know, Minnesota, Southern Illinois, a lot of those games, especially early, that that he was just really good, really solid. And and uh, yeah, we lean on we lean on his experience, and we lean on his uh, his uh, his reputation of of being a guy that, you know, enjoys having those shots and those looks. And, and last night he did a, he did a good job of uh, being really efficient. Four players in double figures. Like we mentioned, uh, you got to love uh, that balance. And I think what stood out for me last night is the 54% from the field and 55% from beyond the arc. You guys connected on 11 of 20. And we know that, you know, shooting the three sometimes, you know, can be very, very streaky, but you know, when you, when you look at the offense last night, uh, I think you had to be happy all the way across the board, right? Oh, no question. I think it was it was our our most efficient uh half of the year or a game of the year, full game offensively. And uh no, with without a question, uh we, we were you know, in tune with each other. We were we were supportive, we were we were talking, we were kind of again just go kind of went back to uh to what had worked really well for us and uh kind of got uh, took another step back toward having that uh, that confidence and that swagger that um, led to a lot of wins. Let's talk about that. I mean, when you go through this this stretch where you know you're losing these games and you lost a lot of close games too. I mean, that had to be really frustrating for you. And then we just go back. We go to the Fresno game on Saturday, and as I'm watching that game, and I don't know what it was, Kevin. I'll let you expand about about that, but you know, it just. I was expecting that you were too. That okay, you guys are going to come out there and and really take it to Fresno State. But it just seemed like, you know, it was. I don't know if the guys were tired or what it was. They weren't in sync, but it was just totally like you said, a 180 degree difference from what we saw last night. Going back to that game in Fresno on Saturday, you know, and then you know, fast forward to what we saw last night. Uh, what were the differences there? Was it approach? Was it game plan? Just uh, what what happened there? Yeah, I think uh, you know Fresno, and especially coming off of the uh, uh, of the game in uh, in Logan, you know, on this after the second half in Logan, yeah. uh, we just kind of couldn't couldn't quite carry that over to Fresno, and uh, they did a good job making some shots and and uh, attacking and and uh, made made it hard for us to get shots off and get good looks at it. So uh, it, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where you'd love to be able to put your finger on it and just change it immediately, but. Um, I, I think it's just, you know, that's, that's why we love sports. You know, sometimes it's uh, <laughs> things go one way, sometimes they go another. How much of that is attributed to, you know, being on the road 
when you know you have some games like even the the Utah State game where you guys lost. I mean, you guys led for a good part of that game. You're in the game. It just came down to you know the final couple possessions there. You're playing in front of another raucous crowd. You know, just like you did uh, when you played at New Mexico and you know that place in Logan was, was rocking. But you guys, it was just you know a couple bad breaks there. And then you go to Fresno, and I don't know if it's like middle of the afternoon, you know, half empty, more than half empty place, and then. Again, then you you have that kind of effort. D- does the road kind of do that to you where, you know, just sometimes you just know, you don't know what you're going to get? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, you, that could definitely be something that maybe, maybe. With, I mean, some teams play better on the road. Some teams yeah. play uh, don't play as well on the road. But, um, you know, this is also a team that, you know, we, we, we've shot it better on the road. We've guarded better on the road. and We've taken care of the ball better on the road. So uh, um, I don't know if it could be something that simple, but um, yeah, I think, I mean, of course there's, there's a home court advantage for a reason. And uh, I think it goes down to familiarity, but um, it, again, it's, it's, yeah, I'd love to just put our finger on it and say, that's what it was, but um, unfortunately it's not that simple. Kevin Kruger joins us, the head coach of the UNLV Rudd and Rebels, uh, Rebels two and six in Mountain West Conference play. Obviously, like we talked about, Kevin, not where you wanted to be, but hey, you got the victory last night. That's a a good springboard moving forward here. Uh, what has the demeanor been like of the guys, you know, going through this? I think it'd be it would surprise a lot of people at how positive everyone stayed. Um, you know, like you said, we've had a couple of games where shots uh, the shots that went in against us were were uh, shots we'd probably allow our opponent to take on most nights. Sure. And, yeah. And uh, so, you know, it's, it, I think the, the positivity has stayed at about as high as it could be for, uh, you know, yeah, for being in a position that we're not really, uh, we weren't expecting to be in a month ago. So, uh, but no, the guys have, have been very professional about the approach and uh, continue to work. And I think, you know, Wyoming, of course, going through injury struggles as well, but, you know, we didn't just go out there and, and sleepwalk through it. You know, it, it was a, it was an earned win where, we were focused. We we guarded the ball better. We played better offensively, and and definitely wouldn't have come out with a win last night had we not. Yep. You know, it, it's sad, and I think it's true. You know that you can learn about your team when you face adversity. What have you learned or noticed uh, about them over the course of this period? Um, I think what what we noticed the most was that you know there's a lot of season left to be played. There's a lot of things that can happen, and if we if we can kind of stay positive and kind of see the, uh, not the, not the end, but if we can still see that the, the work, you know, the, that the, that goes into winning games, if we can still the, take that approach every day, then, uh, you know, that, that we could still end up finishing on a great note and, and having fun still getting better. You know, we've still got 10 games left and, and, uh, you know, there's, there's no reason to, to hang it up just yet. Yeah, you're right. And I think it's real easy to sell to the guys as well, too, because like you said, they, they are so positive. And you go back to what you did earlier on the season. You started off 10 and 0. You got some very good quality non-conference wins and you do have 10 games left. And there's, you know, plenty of, of games that you guys can win going forward. And then again, you know, with the Mountain West Conference tournament, I mean, there, there's a lot of opportunity here. And as we all know, if you get hot here at the end, I mean, you guys could still be in in a great position to win the conference tournament and and maybe even go to the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's all those things. Like, we you want to be playing your best basketball at the end of January and February, and and there's there's really just no reason to think that just because we've lost a few that we didn't think we should or that we would love to play again that uh, we shouldn't try to still you know. Get, uh, get just toward our best for uh, for late February and March. You mentioned Eli Parquet back. Uh, how has he performed uh, since he's returned? Oh, he's been great. I mean, he, he he was a little rusty in the Fresno game coming back, um, and then also, of course, Lou going out at the beginning of that game kind of changed things a little bit, uh, especially for Eli of of his rotation and minutes and, and kind of what was expected of him. But uh, I thought he did he did a great job last night guarding the ball. Uh, putting a lot of pressure on the on the ball handler, staying in front of the ball. I mean, he's an elite defender, and uh, you know that's what uh, that's what he's shown. He he does well, and that he wants to do. 
And so I think uh, I'm just really excited for him to be back and, and of course, be able to finish out uh, his career playing. You know, it's not uh, he's not going to be sitting on the on the sideline and watching, which uh, is what he deserves. You mentioned Rodriguez, uh, you know, missing last night. Uh, what's the uh, prognosis for him? Um, he's been jogging around. He's been running around a little bit, so uh, he's doing better today. But it, as of today, deciding for Reno, it'd be too early to tell. Uh, I think it's a game-time decision, and, and we'll just kind of go from there. All right. Rebels host uh, UNR coming up on Saturday night at 7 o'clock. The rivalry. Always look forward to, to that game. Kevin, when you look at the Reno team this year, what do you see? I see a really good physical a uh, defensive-minded team that plays really well together and um, is continuing to play better as the year goes on. Had a huge win over New Mexico uh, uh, on Monday night, and uh, it, it's a rivalry game, so I know the guys will be excited for it and, and the fans will be excited for it, so um, it, it it should be a good one. Is there any extra, you know, bulletin board material or talking to the guys when you face you, this team because it is a rivalry but let's face it with the transfer portal and, and you have new guys come in and out every, every year a lot of them may not even understand the rivalry so uh, do you spend some extra time talking about that or how do you approach that um no i think they know when they get here you know it's it's definitely uh discussed um uh, not even from us but you know around the the, the campus right. and the and the and the community so uh but yeah with the portal the portal definitely changes things uh some rivalries and and you know guys that come in or guys that leave or new or or whatever might ha- not have the same uh dislike in terms of the rivalry game as, as uh someone else but but uh no we just we got to treat it like any any game uh got to understand we got to get better at home and do better for home games and uh and that we got another opportunity to do that on Saturday. And you know, you're probably a perfect example of that. You know, when you were playing and you came over from Arizona State, came over for UNLV for for one year, did you have the wherewithal or I guess the appreciation of, of the rivalry here? You're dealing with Arizona, Arizona State, and then you come in and, and what was your you know uh, thoughts when you okay hey you know this is this is a team that uh, is our rival this and that I mean did, did we, while you're walking around campus how long did it take you to get this instant hatred for those guys wearing blue? Um, it was a little bit different because also at that time we weren't in the same conference. That's true. So, uh, That's right. You know, right. there was there was a little bit different. I mean, it was definitely a rivalry, but at the same time, uh, you know, you knew you were going to play New Mexico twice, BYU twice. Uh, so uh, even though it was a rivalry game, and of course the the fans in the crowd, we only played up there my year. We didn't get to play them here. So uh, it, it, while it carried a little bit of weight um, at that time, it, it was definitely a little bit different. But as the years have gone on, you know, there's an understanding that uh, you know the cannons red, which it is this year, and and we got to get them. Uh, twice in basketball. There you go. All right. Uh, final thing here uh, for Kevin Kruger as the Rebels get ready to host Reno on Saturday at 7 p.m. Again, coming off that big victory last night, keep that momentum going. What do you What do you got to do? What's your mindset? And you know, what's your points of emphasis the next couple of days in practice? Um, just to build off of of what we did on uh, uh, last night, you know, and, and understand that we we can get that back. And we can get that swagger back and that confidence back, but it's not just going to happen. It goes into the prep. It goes into how we do everything every day. And uh, guys did a really good job, really good job getting ready for Wyoming, understanding it's a, it's hard to win conference games and that um, if, for us to have a chance to win them, we got to be locked in. You got it. All right, my man, we appreciate it. We'll look forward to seeing you on Saturday. All right. Have a good one. Appreciate you. You got it. There he is, Kevin Kruger, uh, our guy there. Does a fantastic job there and uh, joined us. And again, the Rebels went through a little tough, tough streak there, man. You know, dumping five games in a row and two and six in the Mountain West, but they get the victory last night and it was the game they were supposed to win. I mean, they were a six, seven and a half point favorite in the game last night. Wyoming's pretty banged up. They've had a down year. They've had a lot of injuries. But uh, UNLV, again, they've had stretches. It's been a very streaky season thus far for UNLV. Start off uh, the season 10-0. Mitchell had a lot of quality non-conference wins. When you beat Dayton, who is ranked 21st in the country, uh, that was great. 
Then you beat a Big Ten team in Minnesota who's usually very, very good. Southern Illinois, you get a victory against them. You have a heartbreaking loss at the buzzer to USF. You know, San Francisco, that was tough. And then you uh, come back and and then you get, uh, you know, other an, another victory against a team that was ranked uh, 21st uh, in the nation um, at that time uh, as, as well, too. You know, when you uh, beat, uh, you know, New Mexico. So, and on the road, when they beat them 84 to 77. So, not to make any excuses, but when the Rebels start off the Mountain West Conference play, kind of felt like, okay, they had an easy one to open against San Jose State. They went on their own. They lost that game 75-72. And you know they wish they could have had that one back. But then you got to face perennial powers and perennial, not only Mount West Conference, you know, you know, tournament, you know, contenders, but NCAA tournament contenders in San Diego State, New Mexico, Boise State, Colorado State, Utah State, and Fresno State. And that's tough. That's tough. Now, Fresno State down a little bit this year. And, you know, we see Utah State coming back to where they've been. I mean, they've been a, a tournament team the last few years. Colorado State, we know, has been, well, uh, very good. And then, of course, Boise State and San Diego State. Um, you know what you're going to get with them. So looking at the rest of the schedule for UNLV. So they've got Reno here at home on Saturday. Then they got to go back on the road to Colorado State next Tuesday night. Then they come back home, hopefully get a revenge against Fresno State. That's going to be on Friday night, February the 3rd. And then you got Wyoming. You got to travel up there who you just beat. All right, but still tough place to play. And Wyoming coming into the season, they were kind of one of the league favorites. But again, the injuries kind of decimated them a little bit. And then you close at San Diego State, get a home game against San Jose State, Got to go back on the road to Boise State. Never an easy place to play. And then you've got Air Force at home and Utah State at home. And then you close against your rival at Nevada. So you can look at the schedule, and it's really hard with this Mountain West Conference to kind of pencil in wins and losses. It it is because look how inconsistent things have been, not just from the Rebel standpoint, but the rest of the conference. I mean, there's been upsets galore during during the course of this. And when you look at the, the standings, and we have talked about this, it's like you can make a case maybe for any one of six teams to win this conference tournament. Now, as over time, San Diego State has kind of distanced themselves a little bit, but they're beatable. Boise State as well. You see those two guys. But then, again, New Mexico State, Utah State, even Reno. They've come up with uh, a, a lot of a lot of big wins, but it looks like you can probably say that Colorado State and Wyoming probably not going to be uh, there, and San Jose State and Air Force they're going to be where they always are. Even though San Jose State got that opening Mountain West Conference victory uh, against the Rebels, I expect the Rebels to pay them back when they face here in a couple weeks. So we'll see. All right. So appreciate Kevin Kruger for joining us. Get on out to the game. Remember, it's a rivalry game. All right. It's big. UNLV, UNR, uh, if you only go to a couple games during the course of the year, this is the one you want to go to. Plus, it's a weekend game. It's Saturday night at 7 o'clock. You want to be there. You want to support the the Scarlet and Gray. So get out there. They have all kinds of uh, great specials that are, are, are going on, too, with food and beverage at the Thomas & Mack Center. So make sure that uh, you get your tickets. Real easy to go, on to, go to the Rebels website, uh, for your tickets and uh, be ready for the game coming up on Saturday night. Uh, looking at, looking out for that one. And uh, again, you know, Reno, they're solid, very solid this year. Go to unlvtickets.com or call 702-739-FANS. That's 702-739-3267. Or you can go in person to the Thomas & Mack Center box office as well. Go a lot of, a lot of choices there, but uh, love to see everybody out there. You know, rooting the Rebels on Saturday night against UNR. All right. Uh, don't forget, great upcoming shows to uh, at uh, the at the Westgate. We've got Cool and the Gang coming up on January, or rather February 10th um, and the 11th. Get out there for that. That's fantastic. Other upcoming shows, um, again, our great partners at Live Nation, uh, Ringo Starr and his all-star band happening on 
um, May 24th, 26th, and 27th. Okay, we'll have tickets uh, to give away for that here in the upcoming weeks. But tickets are now on sale and that show at the Venetian Theater. Also uh, coming up, uh, David Spade and Nikki Glasser. Uh, great comedy coming your way at the Venetian as well. And um, tickets go on sale Friday at 10 a.m. for that. So get ready for all the laughs as comedians David Spade and Nikki Glasser are teaming up on select weekends, April the 28th through November 18th at the Venetian Theater in Las Vegas. And you can grab your tickets starting this Friday for um, a plethora of shows. Those shows coming up are going to be April 28th and 29th, June 30th and July 1st, September 29th and 30th, and November 17th and 18th. And remember, tickets go on sale at 10 a.m. Friday, so get them there. We will also have tickets to give away coming up in the coming weeks as well, too. But you can get your tickets starting Friday at Ticketmaster.com. And then also just announced uh, coming up here, Van Morrison. Uh, is going to be back in concert in September at the Zappos Theater at Planet Hollywood. And tickets are going to go on sale uh, February the 10th for that. So that's coming up. So a lot of great shows that we're involved with and uh, very, very happy with our partners at the uh, Westgate as well as Live Nation and the uh, Zappos Theater at Planet Hollywood and the Venetian as well. All right. So as you know, hey, sports. Music, we have it all covered for you, including comedy uh, on the show here. I right, may get a little comedy with our next guest coming up as well, too. Scott Savlot will join us, uh, the fine uh, director of PGA Tour events and television programs as well. He joins us. We talk a little PGA and Live Golf Tour next. Hey, this is Tyson Fury, a.k.a. the Gypsy King. And I'm here today ripping it up with T.C. Martin. All right, continuing on here in a wild, wacky Wednesday edition. Appreciate Kevin Kruger uh, joining us. Uh, Trevor Maddich a little bit earlier. And, of course, uh, it seemed like it's turned into nonstop movie talk today as well, too. And that could be a dangerous subject with our next guest as well, too. Because, you know, he could he could, he could could go outside the box with the best of them. No doubt about that. We're talking about our good friend, Scott Savloff who uh, directs uh, so many different uh, PGA Tour events, our golf gurus, I like to call them. My friend, what is happening? I miss you, dude. It, it, you know, the hiatus from golf just just puts me on the shelf. I, you know, get the mothballs out and ready to roll. It does. It does. I, and, I, and I feel like you know we are so seasonal on this show here, and that usually happens a lot with our guests that, you know, we only keep in touch with them or have them on, you know, as certain, you know, events and sports and games are relevant and everything. But I mean, you're right. You've got to be, you got to be on more frequent. I mean, plain and simple, because like I said, you're, you're more than just golf, my friend, you know? And then every time when I hear one of these like crazy golf stories, I go, okay, I got to reach out to Scott, you know, no doubt about it. But, um, well, uh, on the, on the movie, you know, I did an event, I produced an event. At the very beginning of December, it was a, a fun pro am uh, for my 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 group Omega. They they had this event. We did it in in kind of near Palm Beach and Fort Lauderdale, <laughs> and we're doing a roundtable little chit chat with our boy Rory, the number one player <laughs> in the world. And so everyone's asking him all you know technical questions, and I ask him, name your favorite. Sports movies. <laughs> wow, there, you must have been sports. listening today. This is amazing. This is amazing. All right, go ahead. There you go. Yep. There you go. So his, which which surprised me, and, and I have great stories about his number one pick, in which he didn't know. I I, I you know where to go with that because you know I'm like, and he's staring at me like, oh geez, where did I go? Why am I bringing this to him? <laughs> but. He said, uh, of course, Caddyshack is his favorite golf movie, which, you know, it's like, okay, it's kind of predictable. Of course. But, you know, it, it's of a course. classic. It's a classic, you know, especially for a guy that uh, has a little sense of humor. You know, he's going to go right. with Caddyshack, youngster. Sure, I get it. Yeah. You know, so meanwhile, he's, he's, he's you know, tickling uh, Patrick Reed and they're throwing teas at each other over <laughs> right. in the, you know, in the Middle East. So go, go figure, but but that aside, his number one sports movie is Moneyball. 
Oh, really? Okay, I like it. Yeah. I like it. And so, now, I, I've known Billy Bean since I'm like 18 years old. Mm-hmm. So, when all of a sudden, uh, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm talking to him and he's trying to tell me about the movie, I'm like, yeah, tell me something I don't know about. <laughs> and it was great, because I was giving him, like, real Billy Bean stories. And he said, well, you know, in the movie, I, I said, let me tell you something. That guy could dunk a basketball from a standing position with either hand. That's how good an athlete Billy Bean was. That movie sucks because it makes him seem like a frustrated, you know, and, and Billy did say, and I'm letting the cat out of the bag, which anybody who knows his face, Brad Pitt may be in the worst athlete he's ever seen. They couldn't do <laughs> anything making that movie. Right. Because he couldn't throw a ball, couldn't catch a ball, and couldn't swing a bat. Uh, I know you said the Duke can act. Yeah. He's a gorgeous guy, right? Get, just a good looking 60 year old man. Mm. But boy, oh boy, you, you, you just couldn't even, you know, throw a little softball. That's not going to happen. And, and that's the thing. You got to sacrifice the acting, the name recognition for that. And it's so funny you bring that up, Scott, because we were talking about that, you know, earlier on the show with our different guests about actors who, you know, are athletes. And it's, you know, it's funny. So Trevor Madge started this thing earlier because you know, I have a rejoiner, the Robert De Niro. And he's going, hey, right. you know, Robert De Niro, I just wonder, was he really a good boxer? You know, you know, this, and then it just took off to all these different things. And then you're, you're talking about Billy Bean, well, you know, but, you know, going back to that movie, I mean, knowing Billy the way you did and everything and knowing the, that franchise and the A's and that story, did they nail it? And I thought they kind of nailed the story part. But what about the Billy part, the Billy isms and all that? Did they nail that or was it so far off? There are a lot of similarities in, in, his, in his little nuances that you could see how Brad Pitt kind of pulled from. Um, did Billy kind of, you know, go off the rails, you know, and, you know, driving circles. I don't know. It's great theater, uh, you know, when he's frustrated with the team. Uh, but at the end of the day, did, did he do that, dismantle the team to Art Howe? And, and was Art Howe a great manager? It, it, and, and my point is, is Art Howe managing right now? <laughs> right. Billy Bean's still there. Yep. Art Howe ain't. Right. So, now, again, I'm biased. You know, I'm looking at my boy going, he's pretty smart. You know, they, they show him being pretty smart. And it wasn't just that he was looking in red, you know, and, and the, you know, the, the character that he, he met at, you know, at the Cleveland, you know, team that he bought. You know, a lot of that's a lot of bunk. You know, there's other people. There's a team of people that kind of help, uh, um, the, the James theory of, of dismantling the A's. But at the end of the day, it's Billy Bean and, and Sandy Alderson. And, you know, it, it, they're pretty smart baseball guys. Um, but the nuances of Billy Bean, dead on. That, that guy, uh, he would want to beat, beat you to playing checkers. <laughs> I love it. You know what I mean? Billy is a competitive dude. So- and, 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 and the fact is, the reason he didn't go to college at Stanford, because he had a full ride at Stanford, because they got a guy named John Elway there, right in right field, hmm. and and so that kind of, you know, excuse me, at, my bad, at quarterback, John Elway was the quarterback and played right field, but quarterback of Stanford, and that's why Billy didn't go to play football, at right, right. So but that's that part's true. When you get into the golf realm of it because we had talked to, to trevor and trevor's going you know i don't watch football movies he goes i yeah. you know, played the game so long and it just i just you know I'm, I'm anti-football movies you know even though we did talk a little bit about the longest yard but for the most part he stayed away now with you and we with you with the golf all right yeah. do you how how critical are you because i'm very critical with all these sports movies because i love them but i throw them out you know i throw them off my list immediately if they are 
you know, far-fetched. They don't have the story right. Uh, they don't have the uniforms right. They don't have the stadium right. They, you know, all of that, it, it, it's out for me. I could, I could give you a laundry list of stuff that irritates me with that. How are you with the golf stuff? Since you produce these things yourself, are, are, are you, are there some good golf ones, some bad golf ones, or do you just can't stand any of them? You know, Bagger Vans to me was a beautiful looking movie. Okay. It had all the nuances, uh, you know, Bobby Jones. It had the nuances, uh, of that time period where, you know, you, they, that's how they dressed. That's how they acted. When you watch Matt Damon swing, what the heck? It, it's like you got to cast a guy. He's a great actor. Matt Damon's a great actor, really a brilliant person. But there's no conceivable way that guy's hitting a ball <laughs> with Bobby Jones. Right. Maybe, you know, maybe he can stick to going, pokers, right? You're saying stick to poker. Stick to whatever you do. He's a great Jason Bourne. Yeah, he's a right. I mean, you watch that. He is. Yeah, but come on, he probably. But what we're saying about that, he probably can't fire a gun either. You know. Well, that don't go there. But (laughs) what we would say is that he was in. Yeah, he was a Martian. He was in Mars. He great actor. Can he swing a golf club? Hell no. All right. Hell no. Kevin Costner. How is is Costner's swing? A guy that you know very well. I would say it's a very good swing. And and that movie has a lot of really good stuff. I mean, Gary McCord was a technical advisor on that. McCord, fun guy, great golf swing, pure as can be. Uh, You know, great ball striker. Costner covered that pretty well. Uh, you know, Trikinian, who I knew exceptionally well, who was the executive producer of, of CBS's golf with Jimmy Nance, who I'm yeah. friends with and, and Kenny Venturi in there and all that's really good stuff. And, and McCord on the course, I like, I love tin cups, golf stuff, you know, living in the trailer back then that, you know, guys were still not making ungodly money as they are today. Now, if you don't have a shared net jet deal, you suck. <laughs> You're right. And that, right? that was my take with Tin Cup, the same thing, you know? I mean, the driving range stuff and all the other stuff, you could have that. But when he it was at the tournament and that those scenes, especially incorporating CBS the way they did, and the score, the music, all that stuff. I mean, I, I think they nailed it. And like you said, with Nance and Venturi and McCord, to me, that was a highlight. I could fa- fast forward that movie or pick that movie up when they start the U.S. Open and I'm good to the end. You know what I'm saying? Maybe a scene or two at the Waffle House. I'm good with that too. You know what I'm saying? But for the most part, yeah. that when they well, were on that course, hey, by the way, uh, Scott, cause I know you know this. Where did they film that out? What course was that? You know, uh, somewhere in North Carolina, right? Something like that, but it's not Pinehurst. Okay. And I'll tell you why. If I'm Pinehurst, and if that's what you're representing, it's in god awful. You know, greens are rolling at like yeah six. You know, where you're putting, it's like a shag carpet. They're so slow. It, there's no way. You know, there's a you know the quality of golf courses today. And, and the pride that they take when they do that, there would be no way that they could say that that's the U.S. Open and doing a movie like that. No way they would do that today. Mm-hmm. So if you said, could you do that again today? Yes, you could definitely do Tin Cup again. But now you got to get technically right. you got to get a golf course that looks like it could be a U.S. Open golf course, not, not like a Muni. And that's what it looked like to me. And, and I'm not I. I'm not knocking Tory Pines is hosted where the where the guys are playing today. That's a Muni. It's a city park, but that's damn hard. Right. You know, you know yeah. uh, there's no way that the greens roll like that. And so th- the technical stuff, I would just wish into that's where I wish it could get a little better um in Tin Cup. But from a golf movie, uh you know, there's not that many of them that I would say to you, you know, Goldfinger is pretty cool. 
<laughs> yeah, you got an odd job crushing a golf ball. Go ahead and try to crush a golf ball. Knock yourself out. You know that's cool to me. Yeah. See, it, see what you're looking at with the golf course. I don't think I've ever heard anyone describe it like that. It looked like a muni course because the average person isn't going to notice that. But see, those are the things that I notice in baseball and basketball movies. When you're saying that you know this is Madison Square Garden, we know that it's not Madison Square Garden. It's the old LA right. Sports Arena that drives me nuts. Angels in the outfield. You're trying to tell me that that is Anaheim Stadium, and it's not. It's Oakland. You can clear. Clearly see it's Oakland. It drives me nuts. You know, that kind of stuff. I, I lose it, you know, with that. And, and it, so many, you, know, you say it's a stadium. It's like, okay, Major League. It's not Cleveland. No TP out there. Okay, it's Milwaukee's County Stadium. It, you know, right. it just, it, it's stuff like that that drives me nuts. And it's like, but, but okay, the, wait a minute. You're going to film this. You telling me that Cleveland Municipal Stadium isn't going to give you the the okay to, to film there, but you go to Milwaukee and they're going to let you do it. It makes no sense. None. Now, now look, when you do the casting for the natural, okay. So many of those guys probably never played baseball in their life. Oh yeah. Right. Right. Ground ball. A third guy looks like he, he, he's going to fall down and fart. I mean, it's just <laughs> preposterous watching that. The last scene of that movie is heartbreaking to me as a baseball person heartbreaking because here's the greatest player like in baseball history supposedly Roy Hobbs and his son throws the ball like that come on cut that scene out of that movie you can't have Roy Hobbs son throw the ball like that it's unacceptable (laughs) it's like watching Tom Cruise throw Goose's tags there's no way Tom Cruise ever played baseball yeah right Right, or any sport for that matter, right? Never throw that, never allow that guy to throw something. That's just unacceptable. Get rid of that. Cut that out of the movie. That bothers me. That's it? It, 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 It's when you get these these scenes and you're trying to look like golf and a guy doesn't have a golf swing. He plays baseball, doesn't have to throw a ball, catch a ball, hit a ball. That's problematic. Could you cast the big seven-footer Big Bill Cartwright in a golf movie? No. <laughs> I'll just say that right out of the gate. There, there's a if it's a if it's a comedy. Oh yeah. Uh, no one is more analytical of his swing before and after a swing than that seven foot. Yeah. <laughs> because he, yeah, I'm trying to, yeah, and it's like just hit the ball, man. <laughs> Now his grip. Here's the thing. Well, as Rodney would say, as Rodney Dangerfield said, "Cash Act." While we're young, it is just literally. I have to shave again. <laughs> Be- yeah, before the round and after the round. That's how long that round takes. It takes forever. Now here's the thing. Every club in that bag is a driver shaft. That's the. That's what makes it cool playing golf with Cartwright. All right. All right. Driver shaft wedge. Go ahead. Go, go, go ahead, uh, Rory. Pick that bad boy up and try to hit it. Yeah. And with you, five grips. And you'll get five. Some, and you'll get some salsa dancing. You get some salsa dancing as well, too, with him. Well, well yes. Yeah, with yeah and he is a magnificent salsa dancer. He'll he'll let you know that exactly, but you know he, had, he here's some breaking news here. Uh, Scott Savloff joins us, our our golf guru and and, and fine PGA you know tour um, you know television producer at large here. I understand that you're you're not playing recently. That you're injured, and I had no idea as Cartwright was telling me you know earlier today that. I had no idea that you messed around with, you know, playing football or, or basketball or whatever, that you have this de- debilitating injury right now and you had to have surgery. Are you okay? No, no here, here, here's the best part about it. I, I did have to have surgery. Yeah. He, he, of course, exaggerated the truth, but, but the, 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 the fact is in late 2019, I'm playing in the tournament. And I hit down and it was a, 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 in the fairway, but it's a right next to a bunker. And I hit down and there was a root that was under the ground. And I hit down through the ball 
and my left arm, the club hit the root, and my no, my left arm went numb for like five minutes, literally, That's and it terrible. kept hurting all day. And I never, because I had never done anything like that, and it just kept hurting. And I'm like, all right, whatever, you know. And I just thought maybe it was like a stinger or something. So I went a little while with it, played, and it was just, I'm like, man, this thing hurts. So a buddy of mine who uh, is is one of the owners of the of the Padres sets me up with their guy, their doc. And he's also the Chargers doc. So it's pretty good. I go in there and he says, you know, but this is the beginning of COVID. So he, you know, you're wearing masks. You you have to go in when they, when they call you in, you're in the parking lot. Remember at the beginning of COVID, it was so weird. You couldn't like just walk in a doctor's office and go have an MRI. None of that, everything shut down. So he just said, hey, it's probably just tennis elbow. I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> so he gave me a cortisone shot. It felt good for a while, for like four months. And then it started aching, aching. And then like, yeah, four months later, another one. And that progressed until this past year, I went in for a cortisone shot, and it didn't even affect it. It just hurt all the time. So I went in for an MRI, and he and then he called me the next day, hey, I don't know how you've been playing golf this whole time. You have a torn tendon and a ligament. I'm like, you're the idiot that told me I had tennis elbow. <laughs> so, so, you, you know, yeah. you know, Cartwright, we, you know what Cartwright is, is going to say is like, golf? I mean, you, you got surgery for playing golf? I mean, are you kidding yeah, me? He, I mean, not a contact sport? Scott Savlov yeah, is and, injured playing golf? Like, come on, that's kind of soft, man. Well, that no, his way of saying it is just toughen up. Yeah. Can you just toughen up a little bit on the air? You know, we got to gotta get you toughened up. A Put some bit. dirt on it, right? Exactly. Yeah, rub, if it's not, if there's no blood, you ain't hurt. What and, is your major malfunction, num nuts? Exactly. So he, it's true. So I had the surgery and I got like, four more weeks mm-hmm. until I get the, the checker, you know, get the green flag go. And, uh, but I get to start, you know, I went in there and, uh, I could start putting uh, this weekend, which is cool. Chipping next week, some slowly ramping up so I can start playing again. But, but it is true. I've been on the shelf and, uh, but, but I, but I did have a, a great golf event that I produced and that gave me an appreciation of watching, you know, I'm on the range and I'm watching Rory McIlroy swing. And I got to tell you, there's a reason that dude's number one. Yeah. Hey, let's talk about this situation. You brought it up and I wanted to talk with you about this today. But as you know, Rory McIlroy is the most vocal critic of the of the live tour. And we've talked about that before. And he took some time away and he comes back and he's playing this week in Dubai, the Dubai Classic. And he's on the driving range and he runs into Patrick Reed. And we know they, they got a little heated rivalry here. Uh, and I'll let you pick up the story from there. Reed wants to talk and and Rory wants nothing to do with it and and ignores him. And so Reed being, you know, showing the maturity throws a T at him, Boy, you know, Ooh, he showed him, you know, threw a T at him. That That's golf fighting, you know, throwing the T at each other. Right. right. And, uh, uh, but, but, but here's the thing, you know, where they're digging in is these guys, they, uh, they really, you know, have gone at each other. You know, the, the live guys feel disrespected because yeah, some of them, have left to take care of their families. And again, it, it's real easy when you're making the kind of money Rory is. If I'm a guy that all of a sudden somebody offers me $50 million, that, yeah, a journeyman's going to get offered $50 million. I'd say, Hey, Rory, I'm never going to be in the winner's circle with you, especially at majors. These, these, these guys are paying me 50 million bucks. I got to go. Right. And if you can't respect him taking care of his family, that's one thing. Where it gets real dicey are when these guys want to come back and play in the majors and want their world rankings. That's where a guy like Rory and the integrity of the hurt that it's putting on the PGA Tour uh, from Live Tour, right? And so you you, you look at what really is happening. The, the, the CW, 
right? The CW Network is in partnership with the Live Tour. Does that really send fear to CBS <laughs> and NBC? Yeah, not no. at all. Not at all. Not at all, right? The, and, and someone asked me, well, why? Why is that bad? I, I said, it's not bad. It's just, first of all, you have to find the CW Network because there's stations. All, it's a hodgepodge. Mm. And without having strong affiliates, there's no promotion. So it's going nowhere fast. Well, when we knew okay, these, so, we know these guys have a heated rivalry, and like he said, that he said McElroy said Patrick came up, said hello. I didn't want uh, to talk to him, but uh, and then again, you know, there, there's that uh, lawsuit that I guess was was filed by Reed against McElroy, right? I mean, Roy was served with a subpoena, yep. so I mean, this is real. Uh, it's it's a, it's an ugly situation, and Rory wants no part of any reconciliation whatsoever. So we got to get going here. But, but quick take, you know, on that. You know, I, I I think when you when you use the word litigate, I don't care who you are, you want nothing to do with that person ever again. Yeah, that's real. Yep. And anybody who ever heard the word litigate, I had a neighbor say to me, "We're going to sue you." Never talk to him again. It was it was stupid. And so now you're talking about millions of dollars and a guy like Patrick Reed, you know, who's never been loved on tour for whatever reason, never been loved. And here's Rory, one of the most beloved guys in the world of golf. Uh, you're not going to get them. You know, Rory's not going to throw down the olive branch when Patrick Reed was trying to smear him. And I got to give Rory the credit for taking the high road as opposed to saying something to him under his breath or something that could have been picked up, you know, negatively. Ignoring him is is, is kind of taking the high road in a little bit, right? And if Patrick Reed wanted to rise out of him, you know, he he ignored him. He he he. It was like having like something on his shoe, just just wipe it off and move on. Move on, yeah. All right, Scott Savloff, I appreciate uh, the time as always, man. Uh, Great stuff. We'll definitely have you on more because, again, so much stuff to catch up on, especially as we get into our 2023 golf season right now, my friend. But recuperate, be well, and get to Vegas. Uh, You know, the seven-footer will be here for a couple weeks here in March. Let's go, man. Get you out here. March Madness with, with you guys, that's good stuff. That's it. Book it, buddy. All right. Thanks, DC. Good hearing you. Yeah. We'll talk to you soon. Appreciate it. All right. right. Take care. Appreciate Scott Savloff for joining us uh, today. Great, fantastic, a PGA uh, tour producer on the television side. Great stories there. Trevor Maddich, ESPN, of course, our guy, talking a little playoff football. Kevin Kruger, the head coach of the UNLV Runner Rebels. Appreciate him as well. All right. For all of the wackiness, the wildness, go back and check it out at tcmartinshow.com. It's all there. Wherever you get your podcasts, go there or to the website. You can get the everything there on the website, all the podcasts, and plus the current interviews, past interviews, and everything up on the website. Check it all out. Back at it again tomorrow. More handicap and start diving really deep into the AFC and NFC Championship game. Scott Spritzer is going to join us. Steve Berline, a whole lot more. And, of course, we're at the Westgate inside the world-famous Superbook coming your way on Friday. Have a good one. We're back at it tomorrow at 2.